0: What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the guest show on the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host, and today's guest is my man, Coach Tony Blauer. You've heard Tony Blauer on the podcast before, and you've probably listened to Tony Blauer talk on other podcasts about his no-fear system, K-N-O-W, fear. And Tony is one of the world-renowned experts of what it means to be afraid, how to use that fear, how to understand that fear, and what it all means. Tony's been studying fear for 36 years. It originated out of his affinity for combat sports and morphed into his ability to work with fire departments, police departments, military, professional fighters, and now everyday people like you and me who are just trying to navigate life without letting our fears run it for us. On this podcast, Tony and I talk about some things I've never heard him talk about in the past. The idea being that right now everybody is a little bit more on edge than we usually are, whether we want to admit it or not. I'm on edge more than I usually am. Part of it's because I'm bored. I'm tired of this fucking coronavirus thing. That's the reality. I'm tired of it. It's, It doesn't allow me to do all of the work that I'm passionate about. But despite that, I get to move forward with the fear. I'm no less afraid day to day than any of you guys are. I'm no less afraid when I make decisions every day than any of you guys are. The only difference for those of you guys who are still dealing with paralysis by analysis is that I act despite it. And on today's podcast, Tony's going to help you guys do that too. So if you're struggling right now, if you're dealing with fear, or if you're trying to help people who are dealing with fear as this all transpires, this podcast will help you not only to be more effective for yourself, but for others. Give it a listen. And if you like it, which you will, head to wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us that five-star review if you would, and let us know what you thought. Write it out. Thanks, guys. On to Tony. What's up, Coach? Tony Blauer back on the Active Life Podcast. How are we doing, my friend? Under
1: the circumstances, I'm doing great. <laughs> you know, I, I, I tell people, you know, when when this first hit, I, I was on a bunch of shows and they said, so how are you d- doing with the pandemic? And I said, I wish I'd prepared for the pandemic before the pandemic.
0: Sure, but, I think I think we all do.
1: Right, but, but otherwise, uh, you know, i brought one of my one of my affiliates who's a professional psychologist up in uh, in Greenwich. We were talking about two weeks ago, and he just did like a check-in. He goes, hey, coach, how you doing? And I said, you know, uh, as stressful as all of this is, I'm not at all stressed. I've never been more creative. I'm working seven days a week. I used to think I worked a lot, and I realized I must have been slacking before the pandemic because mm-hmm. I'm fucking working well, insane hours.
0: It's like when you have kids. You, you thought you were working hard and you had no free time. Then you had kids and you're like, what did I do with all of my free time before right. I had kids? Right. Yeah. So this is going to be a, a different kind of episode with you. And I'm excited to do it because normally when people listen to you talking, they're hearing things about fear as it relates to self-defense. And mm-hmm. now they, they should be able to extrapolate that and understand how those same lessons apply to their day-to-day life. But I think that there's often the opportunity for that to be missed on people. And now here we are in a moment in which you've had to coach yourself. You've had to take your own advice in right. real life. And there's nobody coming at you with a fist or a knife or a gun. This is, you know, the circumstances of life coming at Tony Blauer and Tony Blauer's company that you've had to deal with
1: yeah it's been yeah it it was interesting i uh some background which was cool was was the um i was teaching in europe just before the lockdown happened like literally what, what, what
0: date were you out there
1: uh i don't remember the dates right now but it was i was out there when president trump said no more flights coming in except for, you know, Heathrow. Like when they, they locked out everybody except for Heathrow mm-hmm. and, uh, and you had to be American citizen. And I was like, Whoa, uh, like, and it was, it was a Thursday. I could find the date, but I was out there teaching. I was, I was in Europe for two weeks. We had multiple courses and meetings going on. And I woke up in the middle of the night, my phone was lighting up and I see messages from my kids. Dad, did you hear like they closed all the airports? And they didn't read the whole report. But what was it? What was interesting, just to like, just to put some perspective in this, because when I teach about managing fear, I think some people think like you get a diploma at the end of the course and then you have no fear. Like I you know, like you're like exempt from fear. Like you know, right? And they don't realize. And so I love talking about when I shit my pants and I get scared. I sat up. And literally within ten seconds, I broke into a sweat. My, I could tell because I've got, after years of teaching this and doing it, I've got immediate self awareness that I went from sympathetic to or sorry, parasympathetic to sympathetic. My breathing was vertical. My, my, you know, palms started to sweat. I could feel all my physiology changing as I'm reading stuff. And in that moment, I could see, and we talk about this and we'll get deeper into is, you know, the acronym that I love using to describe the fear loop, false expectations appearing real when we are visualizing a future event that hasn't happened. It's a negative future event that hasn't happened. That's immobilizing us in the present. And this is what I was actually, Sean, this is what I was actually visualizing like within seconds of reading the text because I didn't, I didn't uh, verify, right? The stuff it was just like my, my, Two of my kids text dad, you're going to be stuck in Europe. What's happening? Did you hear, you know, uh, uh, Trump closed, you know, closed all, lo- all flights. And, and I'm reading that and I started to visualize being stuck there. When would I run out of money? Where would I stay? Would I stay in this hotel? Would I downgrade? Would I, what's, wait a minute. What's happening with my family? What do you mean he's locking down? And then I start, I go, shit, I go to the news and then the second paragraph, it's like, Hey, this is going to affect in 24 hours and Uh, he throws open. So I immediately went, okay, wait a minute. They, they didn't read the whole thing. I got 24 hours and he throws open. And then I started, now here's where the second part of the movie, the the sequel to the first movie, the story takes longer. And I want everyone listening to this understand this because you all do this all the fucking time. You read a tweet, you see somebody says, yeah, this lockdown might be 12 months and a movie starts in your mind. I can't sustain 12 months. I will run out of money here. I'm done. I'm losing my business. You know, uh, I, I can't stay locked up with my wife for another 12 months or my <laughs> husband or, or whatever it is. Right. And, and, uh, I know you want to jump in and say something here, but I got to, no, I don't, finish. don't. I'm just listening. The this, this second movie starts. And this is what I explain to people all the time is these movies in your mind are like, they're like, they're like a metaphoric mother you're mugging yourself of your enjoyment of life. You're robbing yourself from the potential to solve problems and get creative. And so I always say to people, like, someone goes, yeah. So like, I'm like I was worried for like, for like a day, I didn't say this. And I go like, you mugged yourself for 24 hours. And they're like, what? Because if you understand what's happening, so understand this, I'm the guy that, that, that created these metaphors. I've been studying fear for 40 years now, 30, uh, probably 36 years since I launched the cycle of behavior and the whole fear loop. And uh, so the first movie is uh, I read the text. I'm stuck in Europe. Where am I going to go? How long can I live in a hotel? How long is it going to last? When does my money run out? How's my family going to do? Then I I go to the news and I find out, oh, shit, I have 24 hours. And as an American citizen, I can get out and only he throws over. Now the sequel to the first Purge movie that (laughs) launched in my mind, right? The sequel is this, I will never get out because when the whole world wakes up and finds out that only Heathrow is the way back to the US, every flight's going to be sold out and my flight's not till next week. And, and I'm not, like literally 10 seconds have gone by this next movie's playing. I see a visual of me trying to call Delta or British Airways or whoever I was with. And I'm sorry, all lines are, you know, I'm getting the message. And then I'm thinking everybody who's asymptomatic or knows they're sick and is trying to get back is going to be there. So like the airport's going to be a hot spot. Everyone on the plane is going to be, and I've got all these, and my body starts to break out again. And, uh, and then, you know, what I did is, is, and this is the most important thing, everybody. And I share this like anytime I talk, there's this illusion because there's a stigma. Fear has a stigma, you know, the, you know, when people hear that I've got a program about fear management, they're like, I don't need that. You're scared of the word fear. So you don't want to talk about it, but it's still liberating when you can just transparently say, I'm fucking scared about that because that's the only moment when you realize that you're afraid of it. And it could be, uh, I'm afraid to go get an MRI. I'm afraid to invest in, in your work. Cause I don't think the pain's going to go away. I'm, I'm afraid to, whatever it is, fear creates doubt. Doubt creates hesitation. Hesitation becomes fixation. And if you fixate on something long enough, you create non-clinical anxiety or maybe even clinical anxiety if you really go deep on it. But what I did is, and again, like I'm talking for 10 minutes, these two movies went on my mind within two minutes and I had to get up shake it off because my self-awareness said, dude, you need to do some breathing and meditation. Now you need to move. I got up, I walked around the hotel I was in. I sat down, I calmed myself down. And I said, this is what you teach. <laughs> right. And, and here's the amazing thing to, to wrap that story up. Uh, I contacted a bunch of people and I said, stay or go. I wanted like people that I really look up to, Because everyone's like, some people are like, it's just the flu. And some people are like, we're all going to die. And I've got smart friends, right? So I had, ironically, I texted three friends and three said, you're already there. You'll get back as an American citizen. You can always get back, finish your meeting. And then three said, get home right away. Because if this thing wraps up like this, that's just going to be more of a nightmare. The meetings aren't nearly as important as you just getting home and being with your family. And that's what I did. I said, you know what? Uh, Nobody's going to be concentrating in my meetings. Everyone's going to be like, like, should I even do this meeting? And so I went to, I, I, I changed my flight. I went to the airport and remember all my fears about the swarm, the purge, the zombies airport was dead. Getting on the flight was a breeze. Got home. No sweat. They're like, the airplane was like 20% capacity. So all of these, these images of doom and destruction That changed my cortisol level, put me under stress, shifted me to this parasympathetic anxiety state delusion. They were a movie I created.
0: Can I ask you what would have happened in the third movie? Had you shown them at the airport and exactly what you anticipated happened, right? You get to the airport because you tried calling Delta and they're like, no flights. You call United, no flight. You call all the airlines, no flights. You show up at the airport, lines up the yin yang. And right. you get to the desk and they're like, sorry, no flights. Now, now you're in like <laughs> okay, fight, flight, flight, or freeze. What do you do now?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. And I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a blunt answer as like, if God. I don't if I don't care about you and I don't know you. And then I'll answer more thoughtfully. The real answer is that didn't happen, so who the fuck needs to even entertain <laughs> them? Right? Like why? you know? So yeah, this guy chased
0: me. No, no, I'll tell you in a sec. I'll tell you why I asked that. You're right. And, and that's kind of the, (laughs) that's the mindset that I live with. Like I'll fucking deal with it if it happens. What I'm, the reason I'm asking is I believe that a lot of people right now are in that fear loop, the anticipation of future pain. That's not real. You know, they, it's just, it's not going to happen. But then, Every once in a while, it does happen. It's the person who right now is afraid my mom or my dad is going to catch this. And if my mom or my dad or my girlfriend or whatever catches this, they they could die, right? And I'm going to therefore try to stay away from everybody in the world so that I don't catch it and be a problem for my mom or dad. And then all of a sudden, you get sick and you're like, holy shit, I have it. I saw my parents three days ago. What if – like?" at that point you have no control over what happens to your parents next, but what do you do with yourself besides shiver and shake in a bed and hope that you didn't kill anybody?
1: Right. Is that a real question or you just yeah. like, no, like, like <laughs> I, I've, I've talked to people
0: forgetting about business owners who are afraid to spend money. I've talked to people who literally have the fear that they're going to catch this. They're going to get their girlfriend sick who has pre-existing conditions. They're going to get their mom sick. And all of the people who they're going to get sick are going to die. And I'm like, did you order takeout this week? Yes. Well, what the fuck were you doing? Like you weren't nervous about that. So right. I'm asking you, what do they do the moment that they, like all of the, yeah, whatever. If it, when, when we get there, we'll deal with it. There's the other side of the coin from people like us who are like, well, I want to plan for it now. So right. what, like, what do they do in the moment that their worst fear comes true?
1: It's you, you, you deal with it. Listen, here's, I told, so I, I had a, um, a call. So I've got almost 200 affiliates around the world who teach our personal safety, self-defense methodology.
0: An, an affiliate is someone who is licensed to teach yeah, so, yeah, somebody, to other people. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, somebody who's trained with us, and now uh, they, in their community, represent our our system. So they teach, uh, you know, in their community, our self defense methods, our true safety, our you know fear management, stuff like that. And about a week and a half to two weeks in, I realized that I had neglected my affiliates because I was like triaging the company. Mm -hmm. what you know for for the business people listening to your show all of my business is live in person seminars and so there's been a lot of for like gyms around the world there's been a lot of support by members to continue paying their membership and everyone's doing zoom classes and they're doing stuff online so that you know a lot of gyms can survive even if it's you know a measure of duress and stress through it, they're 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 getting maybe seventy percent of their members are are supporting them. My my business model isn't that. My business model is twenty cops show up here, the military unit shows up here, and they don't pay until services are rendered. Right, and so we canceled fifteen courses. That's close to two hundred thousand dollars worth of business in April and May. Not sustainable for a boutique company. Right. And so for the first couple of weeks, I'm like, for the first couple of days, I was like, oh, this is this is cool. It's like, you know, when your power goes off, you're like, I can do this. I'm not a pussy. I'm like, you know, my power's off. And then like two hours later, you're going, you know what? I need to check my my email. Like, like when's the power going to come back? Off? And then a day later, you're going crazy. Um So for the first couple of days, I was like, OK. And then when this went longer, I realized I'm going to lose everything if this goes on. I don't have any money coming in. And, uh, I got with my, uh, immediate team. And this is an interesting thing about leadership is you can't, you know, I tell people you got to manage your own fear because that's going to affect your posture. And then I need my, my wife and my, my children to see dad's okay. And then I need my immediate team to go. The boss is okay. And then I need my mobile training team to go. Tony's got this. And then, and it ripple effects from there. But in between this, and this is why I love when I coach fear management, one-on-one corporate or self-defense is I love being able to explain to people. I feel fear too. That's how I know this system works. It's not some bullshit. It's like, it's like you you buy a diet thing and then you find a picture of this guy who's selling diet or fitness and you're like, there's no way he lives this shit. This is just really good marketing. The information may be good, But, you know, like you brought up in the beginning is I had to use my system to get out of Europe, like, like, you know, insanely, um, when we, we had, we built two new websites, we created three new programs, uh, and now we've got an online business. You said something interesting earlier, the pressure of all of this, uh, created, not an opportunity, but a need. Right. And the observation I made with my group, I said, you know, the stuff that we built, these new websites and these new programs should have been built before. Mm -hmm. They're great programs. And if the pandemic and the, the lockdown ended tomorrow, they will still be there. These are great programs. You guys did an amazing job. My team was amazing. And, uh, you know, it, we put together a, like a two hour course called essential to personal safety for families, like 49 bucks for the whole household. Like,
0: just well, so come like, and learn. I'd like to ask you about those courses yeah. because I think that one of the, one of the mistakes that people like you and people like me can make is overvaluing the ability to be in the room with us. And mm-hmm. what, I, what I mean by that is how am I going to learn self-defense from Tony Blauer? If I can't be in the room with Tony Blauer, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to become a a lethal weapon through a computer program. And that's probably true, but there's a scale of good, better, and best that exists. And all of those are better than nothing. And so the question becomes, well, I couldn't get in a room with Tony Blower for $49. right? Right. So I don't expect to be a lethal weapon for $49, but... If it can teach me one little thing that I've heard you talk about on a podcast, like for example, you think somebody's following you? Stop and tie your shoe and look behind you. Do they stop? No, they keep walking. Odds are good that you're you're safer than you thought you were. They stopped? Do it again. Did they stop again? You might have a problem on your hands, right? right. That in itself for 49 bucks is worth the listen. And I think that the mistake that people with hands-on businesses can make is that we overvalue being in the room with us when so much of the value that we can provide has nothing to do with the in-person portion of it. So, what did you guys find that was valuable that could be put in an online version of a course that people could use and say $49 this should be charging 250 for this. Right? Two hundred. Yeah, right.
1: Interesting question. So a lot of the people who and this is interesting because of course my favorite topic is discussing fear and managing fear, and that that every decision we make runs through an invisible fear filter. That that if I say to you, Sean, you should interview so and so for your podcast, if you've never heard of him, your invisible fear filter goes, I wonder if he's a good guest. Well, Tony recommended him. I'll check him out. I'll go online. But you don't do any of those things if you're not afraid the talk's gonna suck or it's gonna waste your time, right? So at the the the, the 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 smallest, most irrelevant level, we all run a fear filter to the point of what movie should I watch? Like why does it take us so long? Like yeah, like I'll sit there for a half an hour looking at Netflix stuff, going to I don't want to watch this movie anymore.
0: What, then what is that?
1: That's fear of of wasting my time. I don't want to watch it, but it's not like, and this, I need people to understand this is how noxious fear is. I robbed myself of 30 minutes. I could have been reading a book. I could have been stretching. I could have been, you know, whatever, listening to a podcast. But when you do that, when you understand the fear loop, and I had popped it up over here, but we'll make that. Down know, goes the computer, the, uh, yeah. Um, the uh, are, are you recording video too?
0: I'm not recording video, so they won't see it. I've okay. seen it, and I have a picture of it, so I can so post it with.
1: The you. No, I it just it would have been funny to show like this, like you know, this famous martial artist who has zero coordination and dexterity uh, drops his hat on on his on his MacBook. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was funny because I. Uh, I Anyway, the self-deprecating humor there. The, uh, but the 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 idea is um, it's inter- it's interesting to me that when you create where I was going with this is when you start studying the neural circuitry of fear, you you suddenly realize, oh, I'm doing it here. I'm doing it here. And what 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 the conversation is is you're creating self-awareness. And when you create self-awareness, you amplify critical thinking. And now you go, so I'll be there we're going ding, ding, ding. And then what the fuck am I doing? And I'll put the remote down, close the TV and go do something. Or if I really need to like downregulate and I wanted to watch a movie, I'll just pick uh, a classic. But it, this is a stupid example, but it's not because we waste. Think about this. I, had this, uh, I, get, uh, I was on a talk the other day and I was just talking about the difference between a warrior and a warrior, and it's just a couple of letters, right? You know, like, I'm a warrior. And well, why aren't you doing this? Well, I'm worried about this. So you're a warrior warrior, what? And it's and it's understanding that the, this progression and this relationship between fear and courage, and and what I, what I shared as a, as just a model, a hypothetical model, because obviously I have no no proof. Is I'm turning sixty on in May. Let's say let's say that this is where I would have ended up, no matter what, doing what I do, this is my company. I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty that I have wasted thousands of hours worrying about shit that never happened. And I think I speak for you and everyone else listening.
0: Without a doubt.
1: right? So I think back now, six decades, and I go, remember that time you were worried that your mom was going to hit you? You had done this with your sister, and remember in high school, all those years you were worried about whether you were going to be liked or whether that girl was going to say yes for the prom, and remember those, like, ten things where you thought you were going to get your ass kicked in those fights, and remember all those tournaments you went to where you thought you were going to get your ass kicked? What I teach now, in terms of looking at fear, Sean, I wish somebody taught me when I was 11. And here's the thing, my life would be the same if, if this is my career path and this is my journey, but the stress on my mind and my body would be infinitely different. I think, I think that's so
0: I think powerful. your life could also be different. And what I mean by that, Tony, is what you're essentially teaching people to do and the way that you teach people to understand their fear or K-N-O-W, know their fear, is you allow them to shrink time. And what I mean by that is let's just pretend I was worried that gyms were going to stop buying our gym owner program, our pro path program. And coaches were going to stop buying our immersion course because nobody wants to be a better coach now that the coronavirus is here, right? right. Nobody wants to learn how to run a business because they don't have a business that functions as normal right now. If I went into that fear and just sat in it and did nothing with it and was like, well, oh my God, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? I might sit in that without knowing why I was afraid for days, weeks, or even until this whole thing is over where what your work allows people to do is understand, okay, I'm scared. What am I scared of consciously? What am I scared of? Okay. How do I get out of fear and into control of everything I can possibly be in control of? And then readdress when I start taking those actions and that can allow you to stop being paralyzed by fear for a month, two months, three months at a time and not taking the one little action you need to take to start and crush all of that time. And if those things start to build upon one another, it can change everything. Does that make sense?
1: Oh yeah. Like, yeah.
0: you know, you, you mentioned earlier that people being afraid of the MRI and that one, that one hit home for obvious reasons, but it's, you know, you know, I got a call from a guy recently who is a CrossFit games, master's athlete. And he qualified for the games this year. And he tore his bicep off the bone a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the doctor wants to do surgery. But I was like, this is my, like, I'm, I got the games, like I'm trying to go I'm like, have you been before? He said, yeah. And I said, well, what are you, what are you hesitating on? The guy was waiting to decide if he wanted to get surgery. Okay. Because he's afraid that if he gets surgery, he would miss the CrossFit Games this year. If he doesn't get the surgery, he might be able to compete, but not be able to raise his arm over his head six months a year from now for the rest of his life. Right? Right. So if this guy waits until Dave Castro makes a decision about whether or not the Masters are going to compete at whatever bullshit venue they're pulling off now. Pardon my French, Dave, if you're listening. Um, He might lose control over his arm for the rest of his life because he's afraid of missing the games this year. The conversation I had with him was, are you afraid of missing the games this year or are you afraid of missing the games for the rest of your life? And he's like, well, this would be the last time. I'm done no matter what. And I said, okay. Well, you need to ask the doctor, what is the worst case scenario if you don't get the surgery? And what would you do then? Know that answer as quickly as possible, and then make a decision about whether you get the surgery or not. Instead of just waiting for Dave Castro to tell you if you're invited. Right. He was like, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. So... It's, it's all about like what you describe is essentially knowing what you risk and addressing it. It, it. it really does break down to being that simple, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think what people need, you know, we, we talk about with our, you know, the, the, the thesis statement behind our self-defense protocol regarding the startle flinch and weaponizing the startle flinch is when a stimulus gets introduced too quickly, we flinch. Your reptilian brain bypasses executive function. You don't have a choice. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. And it's the same thing for information that, that a sudden bicep tear that severe is a stimulus being introduced too quickly. And, and you will flinch probably both physically the pain where you go, you recoil away from the danger you, you know, you grab your arm, and you oh, shit, what was that? And then when the doctor and all the information, it's no different than like turning on the news, trying to figure out what's going on with Corona. You're going to get misinformation and disinformation and part information and all of them start movies in your mind. So when you ask me, hey, you got to figure out the risk and then make a decision. That's actually once you're out of the fear loop, Sean you've got to navigate the fear loop. So, you know, in his case, you know, you were able to lucidly explain, you know, and hint at, dude, that's your body and you're going to have to deal with your arm for a long, long time, not three days of competition. Are you sure? You know, I'll support you whatever you do. I think you're an idiot. If you're risking like your, your health, you're not saying that, but you're helping somebody guide their, critical thinking skills back into make the right decision about your health and your welfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, not about uh, like a competition. Um, so but, t- t- but, can
0: we walk a gym out of the fit loop, out of the fear loop right now then let's just do it yeah. like in a practical and tactical way. A gym sure. owner right now, let's take, well, Atlanta will have been open by the time this comes out. Let's take a gym owner who's in New York you're a gym owner in New York, which is probably going to be one of the last States to be able to open back up. Right. Even though it's going to be one of the last states to open back up on the first day that they're allowed to open, they're going to be like, should I, will my members want to come in? What if some of them don't want to come in? And that is a fear loop. Making that decision is being in the fear loop. Is it not? Or the moment that you recognize that you have to make it, you're in the fear loop.
1: Yeah. and And, if, if you integrate my research, then you accept the fact that all decisions run through a fear loop and you need to understand that the fear loop doesn't mean I'm, I'm like, like medically scared, physiologically scared, psychologically scared. If I say, if I say to you, Sean, you know, Hey, meet me at this restaurant. We're going to social distance. We'll be six feet apart, but meet me here. Now we're going to pick up some takeout, but you got to be there. They close at six o'clock. You run out of your house and your brain is already calculating which route to take, which one has more lights, which one might take, right? That's, so you need to understand that that we all operate through a fear loop all the time. That's why we don't run across the street without looking both ways. That's why we, you know, tie our shoes tight if we're going to go run. We look at things. And so I want people to just know for, That's why fear is a stigma. The the decision to make the right or wrong decision is part of the the fear loop. But when you change your relationship with fear, you change your mind. When you change your mind, you change your life. So when you understand that, you go, like, like for example, uh, your confidence that your program still has value only speaks to people who are like-minded if I'm in the whole, I'm not even in the fear loop. I'm in the, Oh fuck. I'm fucked loop. <laughs> then it doesn't matter your pitch. It doesn't matter. You're going, listen, man, you got to prepare for like when the curtains come up again, like you, you don't want to look like you just got out of a POW camp. You want to look like, let's go. Let's, and, and that energy is contagious. Right? So your enthusiasm and confidence is only attractive to other people who resonate with that or people sitting on the fence. Something scared them here, but they, all they need is, is like, I hope, I hope that the gentleman that you spoke to goes, you know, I really want to go for the games, but that's my ego. I need to be able to pick up my grandkids yep, and do this to my grandkids and go and then blow on their stomach and then, and then get sued by somebody because I blew on their stomach and now that kid <laughs> is traumatized because I went,
0: yeah, <laughs> but anyways, I agree with you. But so so, okay. Does that does that make sense? What I'm saying you? somewhat. But what, what I want to make sure that we're getting at is, how does the gym owner, how does the coach get out of the paralysis? It's, it's simple.
1: It's simple. And I and I, and and if if I wasn't clear, everyone rewind and listen to that. If you don't change your relationship with fear, then the rest of the interview doesn't make difference.
0: What do you mean by that though?
1: I mean, so let's say let's role play. Uh, and you're the gym owner that, that's like, I'm screwed. Yeah, I, just, man. I,
0: I want, you know, like, I know I'm going to be able to open, but like if I do, and then some members are offended because I open too soon and they think I'm not taking things seriously. And then they decide not to come back because they don't think that I take things. But let seriously. me ask you something.
1: Let me ask you something, Mr. Sean. First of all, the way your posture is, the way you're talking right now, Would you pay you to coach you if that was the energy you were putting out? No. Like, would you hire yourself as a, right. So wake up call, smack, smack. What's, what what do you really, you're a coach. A coach inspires performance. You just sound like an employee there who doesn't like getting paid minimum wage. So you're not going to grow your business with an employee mindset. You got to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is a coach. They believe everything's going to work. I got boxes of t-shirts in my garage that my wife laughs at when I go, look at this design. This one's going to sell through the roof. And every time I do that, she goes, "Put okay, we'll order them because you love it so much. But we'll put them in the box in the garage with the other shirts that didn't sell that you love so much. (laughs) Because a real coach is a fucking romantic, right? Just like I pivoted four things and created, reinvented parts of my business to get, to carry us through there. So back to the role playing is number one, look at your energy. I can't even talk to you. You're killing me. You know, (laughs) I would not pay you. I would not, I would not pay you five bucks to coach me on anything because, you know, I want to run away from you. Right. So, and I'm making fun here. I'm exaggerating this because this is an audio podcast. I probably wouldn't be that insensitive. Right. But the message is this. I go, listen, you're scared right now. A lot of people are scared right now. Do you know, and and everybody, hey, listen, what I'm doing right now, people pay me a lot of money for one-on-one coaching. So I hope you fucking appreciate it. So listen carefully. (laughs) I look at people in their eyes, Sean, and I go, you know what fear feels like, right? I'm not talking about, you know, oh, I'm going to try and PR this deadlift. Like I'm a little bit nervous. Not performance anxiety fear. I'm talking about, you're waiting to get a test back from the doctor. Mm-hmm. You're waiting to hear how your mother or father is or a kid from an operation. you like bad news. You, 9-11, real 9-11 happened, right? This is our medical 9-11 right now. And we're scared with that fear, the, the, the gut fear, the, but the nausea in your body. We also know what courage looks like. Whether you read it in a book, you see it on the news, You watch it in a movie. We love when people are courageous. We know that. What people don't understand is that people who are truly courageous, Sean, were afraid moments before they jumped towards the problem. We have a a, a motto in our program. That if you need to solve a problem, you can't be the problem. If I got to solve a business problem or a family problem, I can't also be the problem, the bottleneck of the problem. The bottleneck of the problem is my fear loop. So if I understand, I don't like what fear feels like, but I know what courage sounds like. So think about this you're standing there, you're going, What am I going to do? I'm so scared. And then someone comes in the room with good energy. And we all know people like that. How's it going? Let's go. Everybody come over here. I got a plan. Like suddenly, that's contagious. Like we're like magnets of the same polarity. We're like, fuck, he's got a plan. I like this plan. And suddenly without realizing it, your whole energy's changed because you believe in a plan. Well, how do you get to the plan? The plan only happens if you get out of the fear loop. So here's the motto that I want to share with you and your listeners. You can't be brave if you're not afraid. If you want to be courageous and save your business and save your family, you need to be fucking scared. And realize that if you sit in the fear loop, you fucking compromise everything, not just possibly some materialistic uh, element like I lost my company, but if you do nothing to fight for it, you possibly lose your dignity, your self-esteem, your self-confidence moving forward. So this is fucking huge, right? But I want you to visualize this, that, that there are outliers that aren't afraid, Right? You listen to some business people. I think we're both Gary truck fans, right? Uh Do you like Gary Vee?
0: Some of his stuff.
1: Sometimes. Okay, I get that. I get that. He's very annoying to like elements of stuff. But if you listen to he's his long form shit. Too,
0: he's too, I'm the prophet for me to listen to him all the time.
1: I, I, I get that. But he's a genius and, yes. and there's a lot to learn from him. Yes. What I don't get is like, like when he goes, I love to lose. I love to lose because then I, right? But what he's talking about is is there's a part of how he's wired where if he gets screwed in business, something that happen, he comes back 10x. But I consider him an outlier. So listen to what I mean by that. I talk about like, we all know people who are outliers in business and in sports. And I've met, like, I always tell my skydiving story, I've told it to you before, right, where I'm down at Fort Bragg a couple of days early. And one one of the guys from the unit that I'm working with Says, hey, do you want to go jumping later? And I go like like up and down. He goes, ha ha ha. No, like out of an airplane. I go, no, I'm good. He goes, what? Are you afraid of skydiving? I go, as a matter of fact, yeah, I'm not a big fan of jumping out of an airplane on purpose. And and uh, he goes, oh, I thought you mr. your uh, fear management. And he does the air quotes fear management. And I always answered, said, well, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm managing my fear by not jumping out of the airplane. So he laughs and his buddy beside him laughs, But the guy beside him laughs a nervous laugh. You know this body language is about 60% of communication. I can tell that his buddy doesn't like skydiving, but he's in the same unit, so what do I know? I know he's good at skydiving, but he doesn't like it. The other guy is good at skydiving and he does like it. The guy who likes it is the outlier. And what I mean by that for everyone listening is this. If I'm gonna take a skydiving lesson, I don't want to take a lesson from a 24-year-old guy who doesn't care if he dies? I want to take a skydiving lesson from a 55 year old guy who did his time in the military, and now he's got a skydiving school, and he's still alive, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the message I'll repeat it again is: you can't be brave if you're not afraid. Jumping out of an airplane when you're not afraid isn't a big deal. Jumping out of an airplane when you are afraid is a big deal.
0: I love that. I think that's a great great way for people to look at this because it gives them permission to be afraid and to act anyway. You know, it's, 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 and you're right. I mean, when this all hit, I remember it was, um, you know, the middle of February, you start hearing things about this virus might come to the United States. Right. And well, it's already here, but it's not big time here. And on February 26th, we were sitting around, it was me, one of my staff members and Cleary, who's our media guy. And we were like, we're going to put a video together today, right now, And talk about the fact that this is coming and you need to prepare. Stop being afraid that it's coming and doing nothing and avoiding it and start being aware that it's coming and plan for it. And we put out this video on February 26th and caught all kinds of, you're a pussy, quit being such a bitch. Like all of that. A lot of that. Like "This this isn't a big deal. It's just the flu. I'm like, maybe, maybe it is Timmy. But we're still going to get shut down. And that's what I'm talking about. Right. So when that, when we put that video out, I was definitely afraid right before we did it that, wait a minute, if I put a video out like this, what are my clients going to think? What are my staff going to think? What are our followers going to think? Are we going to fall into a category of, you know, the, uh, just being a pansy, are people going to think that we're the, you know, we're the alarmist softies of the industry thought about it. And I was like, well, if they do fuck them, we've never been that. It's not, right. it's not what we're going to become all of a sudden out of nowhere. We're not alarming people that the world is ending. We're alarming people that they need to recognize something new is coming and they need to be prepared for it. So Yeah, we're going to do it. But you're a hundred percent right. All of those fears went through my mind first. And I was in a word afraid to make the video and put the video out a hundred percent.
1: And and let me just remind you as a friend and everyone listening that when we talk about fear, like, you know, like people talk about it, like, like the virus. And then I had fear. It's like what I want everyone to realize is is I don't know this, I heard this, I didn't bet it, but apparently our bodies filled good viruses, right? So our bodies filled with fear too. And and sometimes it's like, you know, should I quit this job and become an entrepreneur? Should I get married? Should I get divorced? Should I have another kid? Should I buy this or not buy this? You know, should I try this weight or not that, right? You know. Like these are all fear loop decisions. There's nothing wrong with them unless you've got a fear stigma. Right. Um, People can be warriors or warriors. They get to choose based on how they decide. So the idea is this is, is and I I said it earlier that we look at the outliers for inspiration and that's wrong. The great books on flow state and peak performance it's like if I interview Ali or Sugar Ray Leonard or Michael Jordan or, and I go, what do you do for like, and then we track back how they, Wayne Gretzky did this to prepare. These guys are, they're the freaks. Now it's not that there's nothing to learn from them, but like I like, like in, in, in my courses, I'll talk about people who should be dead And they're not dead. And my 40 years of research taught me this, that this is such a heavy concept. Studying violence for 40 years, Sean, and I studied whether it was military or I remember Shannon, 188 pound female, no martial arts, gets attacked by a serial rapist killer in Montreal, um, which is where I used to live. And she had taken a weekend seminar with me. She worked at a restaurant he used to frequent. The guy walked up to her, slashed her chest open with a knife, dragged her into an alley and started to rape her. About 20, 30 seconds later, she fights back. Now, she didn't, like, get him in a triangle choke and do jiu-jitsu because she wasn't a martial artist. She didn't ground and pound him because she was bleeding, lying on her back, getting raped with a knife at her neck. She did some simple stuff that we taught in the class, but what she did is she changed her mind. Because in the class, I said to everybody there, weapons that are used as, most of the time, weapons are used as tools of intimidation in attacks. Give me your money. Give me your purse. Give me that. Because most bike guys only want property, body, or life. Short list. Property, body, or life. Whenever somebody uses a, a weapon in advance of their attack to move you to a secondary crime scene, the statistic is they're going to use it again. And she unfortunately met that predator, what the FBI considers the most dangerous predator in the world—a serial rapist killer. And she's lying there, getting raped, knife in her neck, freaking out. And she said, when she told me after, with tears in her eyes, a week later, she said, "I heard your voice in the seminar say, if somebody uses a weapon in advance of the attack, they're going to use it again. You better fight. It's a choiceless choice. And when it's a choiceless choice, we fight." And she said, when I heard you say that, I heard myself say, this guy's going to try and kill you after. And then she looks at me. She's got tears running down her face. She says, I said to myself, I don't want to die. And when I said that, she said, I went completely cold. And the moment I said that, I began looking at things to do. And I'm going to tie this to business in a second, but I'm hopefully everyone's got goose fucking bumps like I do because this is a true fucking story. And she says to me, she says, she's lying there on her back. She's got her hands overhead, shielding her face, like in that kind of fetal position. She says, I'm going to, she said, I got cold and she said, I looked, I opened my eyes to see what opportunity I had. And she said, just at that moment, he closed his eyes and turned his head and I grabbed his, wrist that was holding the knife and I yanked it away from my face and he's lost his balance. She says, Can you believe he closed his eyes right then? And I said, Shannon, she said, can you she said her exact words are can you believe he made a mistake right then? I said, Shannon, he made 50 mistakes before that. But until you're ready to fight, you won't see those mistakes. I know I gotta finish the story, but I hope no, no, all no. the I hope all the entrepreneurs listening to this are going, oh my God, this is a parable. But it's a parable based on a true story. She grabs his wrist, jerks his arm out to the side. If you're doing a push-up, and I pull one of your arms away, you're gonna fall forward. He falls down, her, his face comes near hers. she gouges his eye with her thumb, he recoils from it, she claws his face. He, uh, you, we move away from danger, so when she clawed his face, his head came forward, and she cracked him with a shitty elbow. But an elbow to the fucking head, after a thumb in the eye, and gouging somebody's face, Remember what I said earlier, when a stimulus is introduced too quickly, the body's reactive brain, the limbic system, the amygdala hijacks executive function. So he wasn't saying, Oh, I'll do wax on wax off. He was like, what the fuck? And he recoiled. So he lurched back. They're on the ground. She slides back and she kicks him in the fucking groin on her, from her back, stands up. He's on his knees, doubled over shin kicks him across the face.
0: Nice. But not a, like if not a not a tie
1: boxing shin kick. Just like a fucking punt, like somebody fucking angry, in, in indignation kick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine if I took anyone listening to this and you don't know how to fight. And I put some fucking predator on the ground on his knees and he's grabbing his nuts on his knees. And I said, That guy just attacked your kid and you don't know how to fight. Are you gonna say, oh, I'd like to kick him but I don't know how, are you gonna fucking just Bend it like Beckham. You're going to do something. <laughs> like she kicks him in the fucking face, hits him one more time and goes home freaking out, calls the cops. We find out we got a serial rapist killer in Montreal. But when she tells me the story, the whole thing, it like if you looked at her, no martial art training, a two day seminar. And I tell people this, and this is the potency of this line. So I used to run these it was like it was like fight club decades before fight club came out we used to get together once a month at my gym in montreal and we used to beat the shit out of each other once a month and we would wear protective gear you know hockey gauntlets and cute Cushion guy helmets and we videotaped it was vhs days most of you don't know what fucking vhs is google it right and but i it was we had such a cool reputation we'd have like a street fighter and we'd have you know a kempo guy and talk. people would just come in and We would just do these scenarios. And what I started to notice was that regardless of somebody's physicality, like I'm a boxer, so I've got an unconscious bias to go hand. This guy's a taekwondo guy. He wants to go legs. This guy's a wrestler. He wants to get under, take the guy to the ground. What we would do these scenarios, it wasn't sparring. It was like, go pretend you're standing at the bank. Be at a bus stop. And when our role players would attack, everyone always flinched. Everyone's hands came up to cover the head everyone pushed away danger and it was after weathering the finch the flinch that all the fighting would start but there was always three seconds of chaos before people could regroup and i started to intuitively study this and what i noticed this and i just wrote about this last week in our newsletter it was an observation i'd never said it like this the people that managed their fear managed to fight it didn't matter what their gender was and it didn't matter what their experience was. I got videotapes of experienced street fighters turtling up and covering because we put them in a two-on-one scenario with equipment and they didn't get the sucker punch somebody like they did in the street. They got jumped and they were overwhelmed with fear and now they're on the ground. And then I've got this story of Shannon, who has no training, who gets cut by a knife, dragged it to a secondary crime scene, and then raped for 30 seconds and then fights off the FBI's most dangerous predator. And she shouldn't have won that fight. But what did she do? She managed her fear. I'll say it again. Everyone fucking memorize this. The people who manage their fear manage to fight. And the metaphor here is if the fight right now is health, wealth, business, entrepreneur, I'm going to lose my business. It's a choiceless choice. And when there's a choiceless choice, you fight. And you got to manage your fear and figure out what to do. Shannon, I just shouldn't go, hang on a sec while you're raping me and knife your neck. I got to open my book and consult what the move is. She said, I don't want to die. And then she figured out what to do. So look in the mirror and say, I don't want my business to die. What do I need to do?
0: Well, and I think that the, first of all, that's an amazing story. Thank you for telling it. And that's crazy.
1: Did they catch that guy? I did too. Did they catch that guy? No, he disappeared because he wasn't in the news. He had killed a woman another was on life support. She was the third attack and it wasn't in the news. When she went to the police, she was the first one and survived. The police, what, what they told her and came back to us was sometimes, in, you know, it's like a guessing game. If we announce we think there's a serial killer in this neighborhood, if a serial killer is watching the news, they move on. So right. the only chance they have to catch it is like just to be quiet. Got it. They never
0: caught it. So that sucks. But the interesting thing about that to me that I that I picked up among many things, but the one that I want to make sure people hear was what probably happened there. Besides the fact that this guy got eye gouged, clawed, and you know balls punted, and then he got bended like Beckham in the face. Good for Shannon. Right. Is he probably had no fear until she did that, and then he had a moment to decide if he was going to manage his fear, and likely didn't. It was like, oh shit, no one's ever done anything like this to me before. I'm going to go into survival mode as opposed to staying on offense. And and it's right. the same now. Right? Like it's you you look at the people who are out there right now capitalizing on this opportunity in a positive way, not the people who are out there fearmongering you telling you that your business is going to die if you don't hire them. I'm talking about people who are out there right now spreading the positivity, the confidence that you were talking about earlier, who are out there fighting the battle. They're the ones people are drawn to because they, they fight the fear back. They fight back the stimulus that caused the fear. And I think that's a really, good, a really good point that you made there. Tony, where can people who listen to this find you and the new courses that you put out if they want to get more about this?
1: So we created a new website called nofearnow.com. K-N-O-W. It K-N-O-W. Yeah. So a, a very deliberate and important uh, reframe or play on the words of no fear, everyone's familiar with the No Fear Adrenaline Company. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got our, 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 our thoughts on that that we want to get to no fear so we can use fear, turn fear into our fuel. So check out that website because we've got a whole bunch of stuff for the COVID-19, you know, era that we're in right now. We've got our, we've got a digital course that's on sale there for 50% off. Um, you know, it was funny. I, I had a guy do the course and message me. He said, I've had anxiety for years. And I think it's gone. Is that even possible? And I answered him by saying, well, if I was your therapist, I'd say, of course not. I still have to pay off my car. So no, I'll see you next week. Um, But uh, he laughed. He thought that was funny. Hopefully some of you are laughing. And if you're a therapist listening to this, you probably hate me. But, you know, without going down another deep rabbit hole, if there's no fear, there's no therapy. If you don't have any, if we were able to extract fear from everybody's life, like what would you do? If you weren't afraid, Sean, less everything, anything you want.
0: I I mean, no, honestly, I think I would do less.
1: Well, I'm not being philosophical with it. What I'm, what I mean is like, literally, if you didn't fear fear, you would do it every time. Like, like like you just walk across the street and go, the cars are going to stop. You would jump out of your airplane. You would go, you know what? I'm going to take my last penny and invest in the stock market. You wouldn't think about
0: correct. what well, I'm talking about, if
1: we didn't fear, fear, how would you feel? If you didn't fear, fear, what would you do? And it would be like, so, um, anyways, uh, I'll end up talking for another hour. So, yeah, so the best way, so if um I've got a, a coachblower.com site, because a lot of the stuff we're doing, and you mentioned something earlier, that, you know, uh, about, you know, the value of just even talking to people. There's no way if you were listening here, in earnest that you didn't fucking have thoughts that literally change your mind. Now, if they change, if I changed your mind a little bit, then I start to change your life, that trajectory of how you look at stuff. But it's not like a light switch. It can be, but it's not like a light switch of going, Oh, I can't or W fear. And I'm good to go. It's literally like the metaphor of the, the, the sailor and the wind and the sail things are going good. And then all of a sudden you see a reef that represents danger. You see a storm coming and that represents danger. And you've got to change your direction. course, correct. Right. Uh, so that's how it is with life. With fear. You get a fear spike because something happens. You need to be cognizant of that. How you do that is you cultivate better self-awareness. You go, oh, I felt a change. I got a movie going on my head and you start, you you rearrange that. And then you start to use the fear loop to create the critical thinking and that's what you were talking about like when that guy called you with the bicep what he was is uh, you helped him move through the fear loop into making a plan that's shifting out of the fear loop into critical thinking and you can't get to it's like when you know when you're sitting there going I can't decide I can't make a decision it's because you're trying to make a decision emotionally reactively in the fear loop you need to stop and go I'm in the fucking fear loop I got to get out of the fear loop and that's how I can make a decision. Um, but when you do that, the last piece of advice I want to share with you is just because you step out of the fear loop doesn't mean the fear is gone. It just means you're acknowledging that it's there and, and you're, you want to move to a different place. So, so there's a lot of things in life we do scared. You still do them, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, co- uh, so coachblower.com, nofearnow.com. And all of our, our, links are, are up there. You know, of course we do, you know, the coaching, the online, the zoom shit, all the stuff that's going on now.
0: I'll make sure we get all that in the show notes for you. Awesome. Thank you, coach. I appreciate your time today.
1: Thanks buddy. I appreciate a good call.
0: All right. That's going to be a wrap for this episode of the active life podcast. And guys, remember, remember if you are looking to enhance your fitness business, If you're sitting there thinking, man, I would love to be able to go on vacations. I would love to be able to take two weeks off and not have my business fall apart. And most importantly, most importantly, if you want to be a part of the movement that we are creating, facilitating and seeing come to life, which is coaches and gyms becoming the healthcare clinic of the future. Helping people who've gotten hurt working out. Helping people who've been told they have to work out around that. Having people be told they're too old to do that. Find new hobbies. If hearing things like that for your clients is frustrating for you and you want to learn the skills to solve those problems and also get paid very well to do it, head to ActiveLifeProfessional.com and let's get talking. Till then term pro.